How I Got Here, the inside stories of startups and innovation in travel and transportation with your hosts, FocusWire's Kevin May and Mozio's David Litwack. Hello there, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. Welcome to How I Got Here. These are the inside stories that travel startups and innovation, uh, travel, transport, tourism, all those kind of things. This is another episode. I'm Kevin May, and always I'm joined by my uh, co-host, David Litwack. Right, so for this episode, right, in inverted commas, incentivizing accountability might sound like something from a management consultancy handbook, but, you know, it's actually a really neat idea from a company called Travel Bank. Uh, where the employees for the companies that it works with are rewarded for better handling their expenses. Now, to talk us through this and to give us a sense of how we built the company after creating and selling one just a few years before is this week's special guest. It's the CEO and co-founder of Travel Bank. Uh, that's Duke Chung. Uh, welcome to How I Got Here, Duke. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, and excited so, to share our stories. Okay, uh, we're looking forward to hearing them. So the very first question we always ask everybody is, uh, as succinctly as you can, Duke, uh, tell us, how did you get here? Yeah, so we, uh, Travel Bank has started uh, at the end of 2016, um, and I started this business uh, when we had um, actually just sold our previous business, Paratur, to Microsoft, and I didn't have any plans, in fact, uh, to stay on at the time. Uh, but staying on uh, to be part of Microsoft did change uh, the history for myself. Uh, I um, soon learned post-acquisition uh, because we were being asked to move to many of the Microsoft systems uh, that Microsoft um, you know, uses uh, specific vendors to handle their expense and travel. And um, unbeknownst to me, because we as a small business didn't have anything like that for ourselves, uh, we were being asked to move to uh, Concur. And I would say in a matter of six months, it um, became one of the bigger complaints that we heard from uh, our employees post-acquisition. And, and, and I, we had never used anything like it before, so it was a first-time experience. Um, but that didn't change um, my thinking um, until sometime in 2015 when um, there was a big announcement around Concur being acquired um, by SAP uh, for billions of dollars. And um, that's when it actually um, caught my attention, um, unknowingly how large this market is, um, that, uh, and, and really the need for travel and expense capabilities across every company. And uh, basically, I went to take a look a little bit more into the space, and um, what I recognized and soon realized was that this is a tremendous opportunity in that moment to think about uh, how to build uh, something amazing uh, that can help really transform the next 10 years. And and so I left Microsoft and uh, moved out to San Francisco to uh, pursue this uh, next chapter in uh, my entrepreneurial career uh, to build Travel Bank. And yeah, that, that's, that, that's terrific. Thank you. I mean, when you, were, when you came up with the idea and you were looking around and you could see what Concur does, and there are frankly some, you know, there's some other fairly large companies that are also involved in expense management. How did you kind of set out the idea in relation to what they do and what you thought that you could do? I mean, how, give us a sense of how long that took until you came up with the core idea behind Travel Bank. Yeah, so, um, so first of all, Travel Bank, uh, our mission is uh, to focus on building a delightful and complete um, expense and travel solution for every user um, and every user, I think, is really important in our mission um, because what we've recognized moving into this space was that these travel and expense systems have historically been built um, supporting larger enterprises, uh, larger companies, and um, possibly because of the way these products were distributed through you know, a, a series of very successful travel management companies. Uh, the American Expresses, the BCDs, the Carlsons, um, they have been major um, influencers in how these products were distributed. And the way the products were built, um, we believe, really were focused on the larger end of the segment, the enterprises and the upper mid-markets. And um, 
But one thing that's changed, as we all know, in the last uh, you know five years plus, is the distribution of these products, um, the inaccessibility to these enterprise capabilities. Um, before mobile phones and before uh, the app stores, um, and even before online distribution, um, you know, the only primary channels to distribute these kind of products were through these uh, travel agencies. And I think what's changed so much in the last five years is now everyone has a mobile phone. Everybody goes to the app store to download their apps. And that fundamentally has reduced the friction uh, for users. Um, users in this case would be employees at companies uh, to be able to gain access to these technologies in ways that uh, were not available uh, in the past. And I think the, this um, fundamentally changes the way that these types of enterprise products can now be um, easily uh, um, accessible and to be available in the hands of these users in a much faster way. And so our mission was set out really to build an amazing technology with an incredible experience around expenses and travel, but um, focus on making it available to everybody around the world, not just the largest companies uh, because they're working with their travel agencies, but quite frankly, any company, small businesses, startups, um, the segments of the markets around the world that have never been accessed uh, or have never had the access to these types of technologies uh, because of the limitations before. Very cool. Uh, so Duke, I, I, we had um, the president, I was about to say founder, but he's the president of uh, Amex GBT on uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, and we were talking about how they're trying to kind of uh, break away from the TMC being only the service layer to also be in, uh, you know, kind of into the tech side as well. Um, I'd love if you could elaborate a little bit on how you thought about that traditional divisions between TMCs, uh, travel management corporations for the service level, OBTs, online booking tools for the tech layer, and how you maybe streamline that. Because from what I understand, you threw it all out. You're not working with, you know, very many third parties, if any. Uh, when it when it comes to uh, you know service, you are you have tech and service in house. Yeah, so we the way we see it, um, first off, is just sort of a evidence of scale. You know, the travel bank now in two and a half years has grown to one hundred twenty thousand users. Um, we're adding um, ten thousand a month of new users. Um, we reach twenty thousand organizations. So to give you a, give everyone a sense of scale, in just a relatively short amount of time. You know, when we talk about reducing this friction to get out there. And I, and I think what's um, in the question around, um, you know, how this is becoming more separated, um, the first generation of travel management companies, we'll, we'll call them TMC 1.0, if you will, the, you, you reference Amex, GBT, and others. That segment um, you know, historically has been very successful because as a large enterprise or mid-market, when I need a travel service, I don't really think about going to Concur right away. I actually would call Amex GBT. And I would evaluate the TMCs uh, based on service quality and ability to scale. And then when it comes to the technology, and this um, you'd reference online booking tool, the OBT, um, you know, they can all resell the same products. And typically, Concur has been very popular. Of course, there's others in that generation as well. So if you kind of step back and look at what ha has happened um, to get to where we are, um, the TMC 1.0s would say have typically led the differentiation from a customer service perspective, um, how well they can provide um, adequate scale and service quality when it comes to travel support. And technology has always been second to that. Technology is always the, had always been, you know, part of the RFP, you know, what online booking tools should be considered to be part of this overall experience. And that's how these systems had been implemented and, and why everyone is where they are today um, through, you know, seeing that scale up around the world. Um, but what's changed in the last, uh, you know, few years, and it's, we believe is going to continue to change in the next decade, um, is now um, the differentiation is no longer happening at the customer service level. It's actually happening at the technology level. So what's, well, where the TMC 2.0 companies like Travel Bank are leading our differentiation with technology, we are showing the companies what the technology experience can be like for their uh, employees and also for their admins, their finance teams, what that ex how, how delightful that experience can be. And the service side is actually becoming second to it, which is 
to the service side, check the boxes of our expectations. Um, that's being evaluated secondly. So th we believe this is very uh, tr disruptive. Um, we call it uh, the, the beginning of the digital transformation of the travel and expense industry, where we've seen this happen in other uh, industries as well. You know, clearly retail is the best example, right? When everything moved online in the last couple of decades. Um, but also examples like, you know, Blockbuster and Netflix. Um, we've seen Peloton come out. I guess time will tell to see how that does. But every category has its own technology disruption. We're seemingly, um, our world is moving more towards looking at the technology first. And um, in our industry here for travel and expense, um, we believe that uh, this transformation is just at the beginning of it uh, happening. And, and we may be just one of a you know, set of providers that are uh, seeing it the same way with leading with technology first and uh, then providing the 24-7 travel support uh, experience um, as, as part of that solution, as part of our differentiator. Awesome. So uh, we've had a couple people on the podcast who've talked about the difference between a fix-it business and a truly disruptive business. And um, so this brings me to, you know, why, how did you think about the potential of working with others? Um, you know, KDS sold to Amex GBT recently, and they were, uh, you know, more of a fix-it business. They wanted to kind of create a next-generation OPT. I feel like you're more of a disruptive business. And why did you think that was the correct pathway to go versus kind of working with other people in the industry? Yeah, that's a great question. So we, um, you know, one of the uh, areas of focus that really differentiates us is uh, Travel Bank has uh, started in the SMB space and also in the U.S. Um, so when we look at the U.S. markets, um, who's in each segment, um, if I were to split it out, the $300 billion market um, for the U.S., um, I would say roughly you know, two-thirds of it is in the market in enterprise um, that's already being handled by a managed um, travel management uh, company like an Amex or a BCD or Carlson. Um, but the other remaining one-third, which is called roughly $100 billion, is in the smaller uh, medium business market, the SMB segment, which are typically companies uh, that spend $10 million of travel or less. Oftentimes it's even much smaller. Could be as much as, much as like $50,000 a year. That segment um, we had found um, had been extraordinarily underserved. 90% uh, of the time when we um, sign up a new customer in this segment, we're the first solution in. Um, so the company doesn't have anything. And so um, we, uh, and, they, and, they, and they're, grat they're leading to us mainly because of our technology differentiation to be able to get them up and running quickly. Um, and to be able to support a small but growing uh, set of employees within their companies or business scales. Um, and so what we found was that teaming up with the TMCs, um, you know, to help them support their customers would naturally bring us into the mid-market enterprise, um, which was a space that we had considered, um, but it would be a very long sales cycle. And, um, and quite frankly, you know, I think, um, given that this industry is pretty old school, um, as, as you guys know, um, we didn't have that much success um, when we reached out to the TMCs um, early on. Um, you know, we were quickly shown the door and laughed out into the street <laughs> because um, the setup was already in place. You know, the, you know, the TMCs and the our incumbents and the TMC, the, the first generation products, um, they were very successful together, successful partnerships. Nobody wanted to just disrupt the status quo. And, um, and what we've learned is throughout the years, many new online booking technologies had come in um, to try to, you know, to team up with the TMCs, but, you know, their products were always the last on the list or never included in there. So it was a battle that we felt like was too hard to fight um, because, you know, there was already too much success being enjoyed in the current setup. And, and, and it is a true story. You know, we went in and we were shown the door. So, um, you know, one would have to figure out how to find their fit in this market. Um, and thankfully, it is a very big market. So, um, and we believe, you know, that's why there's so many TMCs out there. So everybody can serve a different market. Um, but we just have to figure out what made sense for us. And, you know, be, because we're technology-led and um, we're using technology as a differentiation for our product, but also for our go-to-market um, to acquire for 
lower cost. We can bring these customers in at much lower cost. Um, we felt like the small business market was actually a great place for us to start and grow with and learn how to build a mature product over time. Um, and then, you know, evaluate our go-to-market as, as we uh, build this business and, and see what happens in, you know, five or 10 years. Maybe we come back and team up with the TNCs over time. That's possible. Um, but for now, the $100 billion U.S. market is, is – uh, I had one TNC CEO tell me that, Duke, if you guys were to just win the entire U.S. S&B market, you would be bigger than Amex GBT, which is, I think, true based on the numbers we've seen. So. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's interesting, just to, to wind back a little bit to something that you just said there a second, Duke, you know, and you were saying, you know, you, know, you were knocking on the doors of the TMCs and they were showing you the door fairly quickly. And, you know, there's often the, the, the phrase that's banded around is, you know, the gatekeepers of the status quo. Can you just give us a sense of how long that was into the travel bank journey that you realised that you needed to go down the path that you're currently on, i.e., how long was your patience at that point? It, it didn't take long <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> you know, the company has uh, been, Travel Bank's only been live for about two and a half years. We launched November 2016, so it hasn't been a very long journey. Um, and as you can tell, we've already talked to a lot of people and ended up in this uh, in this path. Um, but in the first year, we launched our expense product. And while our expense products were in the market, we were busy thinking about how to build the travel, um, the online booking platform with the concierge service. So we had many, many conversations in uh, 2017 with uh, the TMCs, with many TMCs, not just the largest TMCs, the megas, but also a lot of regionals as well. Um, and, and we were constantly, I think also not only being shown the door by the TMCs, but um, quite frankly, also a lot of suppliers, you know, a lot of suppliers on the airline side would ask us questions around, how much volume we would have. And, you know, being a startup, um, that's not your advantage. You don't have a lot of volume. So um, it's not something you can put on a chart and show them and guarantee them anything. And so naturally, I think the barriers to get into this business are quite high um, because expectations are, are high from the beginning in order to play. And um, it, I think because of this, it really forced us to think about what is a market that we could be successful in that others are not in? Maybe we can find a way to acquire that segment um, in a different way, maybe using technology or channels. And also, how do we focus on really building up uh, momentum within our install base so that we can, um, we can sell this inventory that these airlines want us to sell? So a lot of effort has been gone into focusing on acquisition of customers and users um, for that uh, purpose, uh, the flywheel we call it, um, to make sure that we reduce all friction for users to submit, and therefore we can uh, move them into, you know, a uh, travel bank managed account directly, so we can um, sell the inventory and support our suppliers as we scale up. Um, that uh, our expense product is a free product, and so companies around the world, um, typically their their employees are the ones who find us in the app store, so they download our app. And we help them do an expense report. And then soon thereafter, their companies may sign up and standardize us on expenses. And, and then that usually will lead into, at some point, when the small business scales up and they need more help around travel, like travel policies or reward incentives, analytics, um, they'll standardize with us on a managed travel program. So effectively, our efforts to scale this business has been more around thinking about how do we how do we um, work with these small businesses to solve their problems early and pay it forward so that when they scale up, we have an opportunity to work with them on the travel side um, over time. Not all of them will reach that initial scale, but, um, but the ones that do, you know, we are there ready to support them. And um, as you can imagine, the only reason we think this way was because of all the feedback we've gotten from the industry uh, around um, ensuring that we minimum requirements uh, in order to carry the inventory to be meaningful for them to be in this business now just uh, on that a little bit again if we if we may do i mean the, the, the customer acquisition part i mean it's great that you know as companies that you work with get bigger you know you can help them do more things and that's more volume for you but you know how is how have you generally approached just trying to get customers to uh uh, to come along and use the products you did reference briefly there the app store and things like that just give us a an idea of what it's what it's been like trying to get hold of these um these customers so far 
Yeah, so we, um, I, I mentioned we, the Travel Bank has now, uh, we announced last week at our conference, we have 120,000 uh, registered users on our yeah. platform. The registered users are um, the employees at small businesses. They, it could be just one employee at a company. Uh, they find us in the App Store or a Play Store uh, or online as well. And, um, you know, one of our, mis- our missions and our product is if we can't help you do an expense report or book a flight, um, within two minutes of signing up from our app, then we failed. So it has to be that easy for any employee because the employee, the only reason why an employee will look for us in the app store is because their company doesn't have something, but they're in a situation where they either need to get a reimbursement for an expense report or expense reports, I should say is more general <laughs> over a period of time that, um, you know, that has gone by and they need to get it done. Um, or, um, they find us and want to book a flight or hotel, um, in our system. So that first experience is so important for the employee because if the employee doesn't have a first good experience, then there's no opportunity for us to continue to expand within that company. Um, but if they do have a good experience, what happens is that employee may go tell their CFO or their controller um, that I found this app. It's really amazing. It helped me uh, take photos of my receipts and scan them and create an expense report in two minutes. And here it is. And, and, um, and be able to get their reimbursements in 12 hours. So it's a really nice experience for them. And they'll tell the controller, they'll also tell other people in the company. So they'll tell their coworkers, hey, I've been, I found this app, you should use it around them. And I would say typically when a company gets to around five or 10 users on our expenses, then there's enough visibility within the companies, especially small businesses, that the companies would hear about it and the decision makers would just standardize their entire company. Sorry, sorry, Dave, just on that. I mean, it's interesting. You rarely hear about a startup in business travel that's almost grown, you know, dare I say, from in a viral way because of this word of mouth, whereas often it's, it's done in a, arguably a more structured way. It sounds like you have benefited a lot from the kind of the, vi- the viral word of mouth part of it. That's right, yeah. And I, I think... You know, we were also very fortunate. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, the, the the barriers to being able to deploy an expensive travel solution are now not only not gated from the top down, where historically that's how this industry had yeah. sold into these enterprises. But as you can see in this example, every day we have, you know, hundreds and every month we have thousands of users that just sign up across different organizations around the world. And I mean, if you don't believe me, I, last week we shared, uh, actually we just made this announcement of Will Smith, um, actor Will Smith and Case Kehanda. Will, of course, I'm hopefully you guys all know Will Smith and uh, Will Smith's uh, agency actually found us that way. They downloaded our app and started to do expenses, started to do travel. And one thing led to another. They decided they want to invest in Travel Bank, and we announced that uh, this week. So um, we also, um, many people think we only support the Silicon Valley companies in, in the Bay Area here. But in fact, we, um, we have universities like Princeton that are on our system. We have... Um, I know, David, you're in New York. We have a very, very famous congresswoman in New York. I won't mention on, on this podcast, but you can probably figure it out. We support her. We support her agency. Um, and even um, like Will Smith uh, as an actor, right? Um, you just never know. I think that's probably the most amazing thing about this business because there's no barriers to signing up for our system. You really don't know who's going to come through the door the next day. Um, we didn't we didn't reach out to any of these companies they or organizations or agencies. They have all seemingly just heard about us or found us online in these app stores. And I think fundamentally, that's the biggest change and disruption that's happened um, is this uh, the, the 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 reduced friction, the ease to get up and running for systems like expense and travel that have never been available prior. Um, that is extraordinarily disruptive uh, in this space. I wanted to quickly rewind on something you said. You you made the expense process free. It sounds like almost like a freemium to attract these SMBs. And um, I, I think, you know, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Concur has a free tier. I doubt it, though. Concur charges for expense, and I know that's actually the majority of their business. And you seem to kind of um, dangle this as a, an incentive for people signing up. And I, I think that's a kind of a, a huge turning of the business model on it on its head where something where people are normally making money off that part you decided to give away was that on purpose 
yes, it was on purpose. Um, but you have to remember, um, you know, because we started in a small business market, um, you know, we really spent a lot of time thinking about what are the um, the constraints and the issues that these small businesses have. Um, now, I believe the concurs of the world um, and, you know, their peers um, had started more in the mid-market enterprise um, where, you know, potentially paying for expense software is not a big deal um, because these are very large companies and, you know, professional CFOs and are running these organizations, right? So for them, it's sort of remembering back to my old Microsoft days, post-acquisition, I think budget was probably less of a concern uh, for us when we were and made it to that step, right? Um, but for small businesses, it's a very different situation. Um, and uh, David, I know you, you know, as running a small business too, you know, our, our constraints are different. We think about these products differently. Um, our employees are also thinking about which problems uh, and, and um, you know, and it, it relates to the products that they use, you know, how to be able to get access to technologies quicker and easier and effectively, you know, less cost. So, Understanding the small business market, we intentionally made our products for free. Um, it's um, and currently it's not freemium because we don't charge for it over time. We um, we have effectively made it free uh, for businesses even if they if they scale up. And our goal is really to earn their uh, travel business over time. Um, now a small business may not have much travel in their first year uh, or two years, um, but you know, as they start to build out their sales and marketing functions, as they start to attend more events, or maybe host their own, um, their own, you know, sales and marketing or customer acquisition activities, um, they tend to, you know, start to begin to spend a little bit more. And when you reach a certain threshold, that's um, when we believe our travel program can come in, really help them streamline um, the, the, the approval flows and, and also help them save money or begin to save money as they scale up. And uh, that's, uh, that's our model is to uh, focus on earning that business over time. So, so what's interesting is that I, I remember hearing some stat that most of the money that a lot of these OBTs make are actually on their expense solution. And um, I think they also would theoretically like to capture a lot of that travel spend as well. But I, I've been to more than a few business travel conferences where they talk about the problem with people uh, at major companies going and booking on kayak um, and then, you know, filing it back into the expense system. And um, I think one of the reasons why these OBTs have monetized expenses is because, frankly, they many of them have not been able to keep up on the user interface side. So that's a, you know, long, right. way, you know, it's a long way of like getting to the question of, um, you know, how are you thinking about what is a very complex user experience? Because you're talking about multiple modes and then expensing and all this stuff working together. And you're only going to capture that travel spend if uh, the end user experience is just as good as, frankly, as going to Kayak or Expedia. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, one of the one of the things we talk a lot about here within Travel Bank is, you know, you know, looking back at the current um, offerings in the space, the, the our incumbents, our older incumbents, if you will, you know, I think one of the areas of focus um, is has been largely around just the admin functionality. It's all about the admin, it's about admin functionality because once these companies lock in, um, it's about making sure the admin doesn't push them out. <laughs> um, but quite frankly, the traveler experience, the traveler benefits have always been secondary or even third to the admin functionality. The only thing that might compete with the traveler experience is um, these OBTs also have to support TMCs as consistent with systems that fits in between. But clearly, the traveler experience is really poor. And it, it makes sense because once you've locked in the admin um, and you've built a travel policy for the company, then the traveler doesn't really have much choice. If it's their own choice, if they go outside of policy, they just hope they don't get caught. Or the company has very loose um, you know, requirements um, yeah, if it's, something it's does like happen. It's almost like they they chose their their solution based on what the travel manager would help the travel manager m manage the right. RFP things the best, not necessarily right. what was going to help them. Did it? That's right. Yep. But you know, and there's a place for the admin. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think you know when it comes to um, building a policy and um, putting a program in place and ultimately helping the company save money, there's you know there is nothing valuable to deliver there. But you know the question is really to what extent. Uh, expense of the, of the traveler. The traveler is the one that's actually going out on the road um, who's trying to focus on improving their productivity, um, you know, reduce their stress and 
um, make sure they get uh, to and from these um, meetings and conferences effectively, um, having a really great experience. Um, you know, so the question there is, where was that balance? And was the balance actually getting further apart as these companies became more successful? So what I really liked about what we're doing at Travel Bank here is that you know, we intentionally focused on making the product available to everybody, almost like a consumer-like distribution. And the onus is on us, like you mentioned, um, to deliver a really delightful, a really great experience for the traveler. Because if we can't win the traveler, we know we shouldn't win the account itself. There's no reason to force a company to use Travel Bank if the users don't like the experience. So the way we've been able to be successful is really laser focus on the traveler experience, make sure the travelers like us for not only doing their expenses, and a general employee in a company also has to just like our app, you know, for expenses, right? For everyday expenses. So users have to like our app. And only if the users like our app, um, we call it winning the hearts and minds of the employees, then we deserve to win the account. And I think what that does from a mindset for our business, particularly our product and our design and our engineering teams, is it really puts the onus on us to deliver an experience we can stand behind, um, that the companies can trust, um, that we're doing a good job to make sure that their travelers are having the best experience they can out there. Uh, at least at parity, hopefully better over time to what they would be able to do in um, you know, the public, uh, the open booking situation on other public sites. We at least have to get to that level of standard. So. Um, when we hired our design teams, and we, we made this mistake earlier because when I started this business, I come from the enterprise software, so we hired a lot of product managers, and we soon realized that the product managers from the enterprise side actually couldn't design a product that met this expectation. So we had to start all over again very early in Travel Bank, and I decided to rehire a new set of designers and product managers that were from the consumer side. So we have you know, folks that come from Airbnb or Hotwire or these OB, these online booking platforms, the public sites, and um, we wanted to bring, like TripAdvisor, we're bringing them in to help us design this product because what I found was bringing the product designers, the designers and product managers in from the consumer side, the, ex, the uh, baseline of expectation and quality is also higher. And that was really important for us, and that's how we were able to begin to change the momentum of this business early on was really building at that higher standard. And I think that's really important to set the foundation early for that because if we truly believe we can win by winning the hearts and minds of the employees for these companies, then we have to build a product experience um, that actually can win these folks over. And that starts with hiring the right people on our team. Very cool. So I wanna ask one more question that's a little more in the weeds. Um, before we kind of move on to general company stuff. But, um, you know, for Mozio operates a lot in the corporate travel world and we get all types of very specific content requests. You know, I want my limousine service in New Jersey, which happens to be on random specific system that we don't have yet. And, um, you know, it, it ends up being a huge supply problem. How, how do we get all of this supply in our system? So, you know, my question is twofold. Um, do you do you cater to you know any companies like that or, or because you're in the SMB market people you you just normally tell those companies tough uh, you know this is what we have and uh, two you know how did you think about supply from the beginning did you just hook up to Skyscanner and be like great we have flights right now and then we'll we'll go and replace Skyscanner individually one by one or um, what was your general supply strategy? Well, we, uh, I would say we, we weren't that smart about it. <laughs> so, because remember, I, you know, I entered this business not having come from the business travel space. Um, maybe the only advantage was uh, having sold enterprise software. But, um, but as, as you guys know, this industry um, is very specific. There are a lot of specific um, attributes to the business travel industry and um, how everything is all tied together. So, um, you know, we are early... Um, discovery process involved us just trying to figure out how to get access to the inventory. So um, we went down the path of working with the GDS systems directly, but we soon thereafter discovered that a lot of these airlines also required minimum requirements to get going on the airline side specifically, I think maybe less than the hotel, but the airlines. And so we, we were very fortunate. Um, part of our uh, early journey, in, in fact, uh, I believe in our first 10 employees, we hired over uh, the head of supply over from Hitmonk. Now, why Hitmonk? Um, it turns out actually San Francisco, uh, although being such a great place for 
amazing technology companies. Um, this actually turns out to be a very poor place for travel tech. Um, there aren't a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, consumer or even business travel uh, vendors in this area, uh, at least not historically. Everyone else was based either in New York or Seattle. Uh, from you know from a travel experience so it was very difficult for us to find domain expertise or people who simply had just relationships with the with the airlines and the hotels um except for hipmunk hipmunk was the only one in this area that actually um, i would say had a concentrated group of domain experts uh but that was it uh after them i think it would drop off pretty significantly as far as uh the next player in, in, in this area um so we were very fortunate we were able to recruit over um some of the team over from Hitmonk. And um, that's when we discovered that um, to do this right, um, not only would we need a relationship, but we'd also have to go apply for all these licenses. So we are ARC and IATA accredited uh, travel agency. Um, and we went through that entire process to make sure all of our licensing was in place so that we are able to sell the inventory, um, at least beginning in the United States, and then hopefully expand from here. And so we went through that entire process. And I think now looking at our some of our, even our, um, you know, up and coming competitors, um, they haven't even gone through that process. Um, you know, they, they find another way to sort of get going first. And maybe over time, they, um, you know, go back and apply for licenses. But, you know, we, we did this all from the beginning. And part of that was, you know, we, we set out to do this business um, and try to build a foundation, put all the effort into building a foundation to think about building Travel Bank over um, you know, a longer period of time. And so we, we didn't really want to take too many shortcuts. We wanted to, Spend the time to do it thoughtfully and put everything in, in place, and, and that way we can stand by it and support our customers. And we have um, checkboxed all of the requirements to deliver a first-class experience for our customers. And and we felt this was just part of the foundation. Now it took a little longer, and we did get a little lucky because we had all the people in place to help us build this faster. Um, but um, we 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 have certainly uh, spent the effort and the investments early on. Uh, to be able to access all the supply and to get that going. Now we're doing the, uh, we've launched the hotels with uh, 650,000 properties and we've also launched with 40,000 direct connects with the hotels um, for hopefully better rate, uh, exclusive rates that we can offer our customers. And now uh, limousine and um, the ground transportation experiences, I think, um, I think first off, I think this category um, is extraordinarily exciting. Um, I think if I look at the innovation that's happening around um, travel in general, I think transportation actually um, it may be at the forefront of maybe becoming the most disruptive. Um, I think it's um, not only the Ubers and Lyfts, um, but I, you're seeing all sorts of different permutations. Um, you know, we announced something with Toro and Get Around. I think you're starting to see a younger generation explore these kind of experiences. Um, but the black cars, the limousines, I think are still uh, all part of that. And um, last week at Altitude, we launched our uh, super itinerary, our new concept. Um, what the super itinerary is, is the ability to for users now to bring in their calendar schedule from their um, office calendars. And um, we bring in all your flight and hotel check-ins. But um, we have also um, brought together a new marketplace in the marketplace, um, we launched with 30 uh, partners. Um, we're beginning to kind of bring together uh, what we would call the traveler-focused experiences, um, you know, kind of on our mission of helping the traveler have a better experience. A lot of these areas are things that we wouldn't do ourselves. Um, we wouldn't have the capacity to do it. But we know the travelers are spending money on these areas to help them improve their own traveler experience. And I think that's the advantage of having our expense system because we can look at the data to see what people are spending money on. Um, but some examples are like co-working spaces. We're finding a lot of people are spending time on expensing co-working spaces. Um, they're expensing Wi-Fi, not only on flights, but also in country. Um, we're spending a lot of money on that. Um, we're seeing a lot of people spend more money on experiences. Um, local games, um, you know, of course, um, client dinners, all the food uh, expenses. Um, and so even even things like meditation and wellness, gym <laughs> passes, um, lounge passes, stuff that, you know, maybe I've been around for some time. You know, when we were in business travel, you would never dare to expense anything like that. However, you know, as we study the younger generation that's coming up, um, you know, this the work-life balance actually becomes 
you know, meaningful um, from a product productivity perspective. And so, um, how do we bring all this together and enhance the overall experience of the traveler? Um, and again, these are things that, you know, if I told you guys today that we're launching a me in our meditation business, um, you may, you guys might all hang up on this podcast. <laughs> but you know, we instead are um, trying to bring together these experiences and um, really make them available. And um, I've only shared this story with you guys here, you know, in the U.S. Uh, I know you guys are actually in Europe, but even in Europe where you know the experiences, but imagine if you guys were to travel to Asia um, and there's, you know, and um, David, you know, this, there's no Uber or Lyft. Um, how do we bring together the experiences there that um, can make it more comfortable, more trusting for the traveler to trust us experience that their company endorses through a travel program um, that they can leverage and use because maybe for a small business, they don't travel that often. And, going to these countries, all these experiences will change. Um, all the restaurant reservation experiences, ground transportation, co-working spaces. Um, it's very difficult today for, we believe, for a traveler to understand all of that. But bringing it all together into a marketplace, making it available through your, um, what we call the super itinerary, uh, we believe is the first step towards that. And, um, and helping us kind of bring our vision to not just being flights and lodging and ground transportation focused, which is what we think this industry has been primarily focused on a lot of the pre-trip experiences. It, um, it, it, it suggests that the in-destination or in-trip experiences are as meaningful as the pre-trip experiences. And, and largely that's all driven by mobile, which is where we've, you know, spent most of our time focusing on. It's, it's interesting to come I mean, you sound incredibly ambitious and have you know, a, gr a great vision. I think just for the last kind of five minutes or so, I think it'd be interesting to just, just kind of get some perspective on how the company kind of runs. So um, your two co-founders you've worked with before at the company that you sold to Microsoft, which is Parature. One of them is Reed and uh, Ching Ho, who was the CEO of the previous company, is now the chairman of the current company. How did you kind of go about creating the co-founding team? Was it purely because you'd worked with them before and you knew that they could do a great job alongside you? Or how did that all kind of come together? Um, it's actually much easier uh, than you would ever believe. <laughs> because when, uh, when I left Microsoft, when we uh, had been acquired by Microsoft, um, you know, I had uh, to sign a non-compete and non-solicitation, which probably is more relevant for this, and um, of course, that only really applied if uh, the people stayed on. Now I stayed on. The only two people that didn't stay on was Reed and uh, Ching Ho. Uh, they left. <laughs> so um, now Reed wasn't a co-founder of mine in my first company, but Ching Ho was. Uh, Reed had actually joined us um, a little bit later on as one of our senior engineers. And um, it was actually the best thing that happened because through that experience, I was able to meet him. And uh, that led to... Um, us uh, founding this company together um, alongside of Chinko. Um, now, Chinko, I've known for many, many years. Um, when I started uh, Parature in my dorm room at uh, Cornell uh, back in 2001, um, he was my first investor um, who flew up to Ithaca to see us in our dorm. And, uh, and he has been a very successful entrepreneur himself. Um, and so to get his help to, you know, help us navigate our first was extraordinarily valuable in addition to his um, investment, of course. And so he, he was along with me for my first business. And when we started Travel Bank, um, you know, of course, we wanted to kind of rebuild this team together and, and get going. So that's how I ended up with uh, both of them. Uh, we were both available, um, didn't violate my non-solicitation. And when I decided to leave, um, it was very easy to call them up and say, hey, this is, uh, well, you know, here's a, here's a potentially great idea in a very huge market. And of course, again, back to the beginning of the, uh, the conversation around Concur, I think that the timing to do something, I would give it about two years when something like that happens, because as, as you guys know, you know, we're not the only ones that saw the opportunity. I think being available as a founder, seeing the opportunity, and a catalyst as big as an acquisition of Concur happening, you know, three things happening um, at the same time, making the stars align. It's very rare that those three things, those three attributes actually happen at the same time. Um, but those that see it, if they jumped on it, I think, you know, there would be an opportunity to build something. And so we decided to, 
to take advantage of the opportunity to, to come out. Um, and actually, when, instead of doing it in D.C., we decided to move to San Francisco to build this business. And part of that was just, uh, you know, we had always read about Silicon Valley, building our own tech company from the East Coast. And um, we felt like, you know, maybe if we did another one, we should try building one um, inside of Silicon Valley to see what it would be like. And, um, and so we decided to come out here to San Francisco to build this business. And I think it's been um, a very amazing experience, a very different experience in my first company, um, maybe for a longer conversation. But um, I think it's, um, I can see why a lot of companies who move out here are very successful um, based on the community and the environment here. Um, and I think that's really helped us. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I mean, it's interesting. You said the experience has been um, you know, very interesting and helpful and the community is great, but you did reference in an earlier answer about, you know, there wasn't a lot of other kind of resources that you could draw on with particular experience in travel. So would you say then it's just the experience of growing a business in that region that's been so um, so interesting and rewarding rather than what it gave you as a travel business? Yeah, I would... Um... I, w- I would describe it, if I could describe it in a few sentences, um, it, you know, building a business in Silicon Valley with the community here, you have to keep in mind that, you know, 70% of the people here are not from San Francisco. Many people have come here, like myself, to go build a business and pursue, you know, a passion or a vision uh, for what they want to do. So, interestingly, San Francisco isn't a place that where they're um, at least in technology, there isn't deep-rooted people. And whenever I meet someone from San Francisco, I get really excited because it's actually pretty rare <laughs> that someone <laughs> grew up here and I can actually hear the history. So because of the sort of transient nature of the city and a lot of new talent, um, in fact, if you, if you do a little study on the biggest tech companies in Bay Area, most of the CEOs and founders, none of them are from this area. <laughs> They're all from the East Coast or somewhere else. Um, they all just happen to be here. Um, I think one of the things that it... Uh, this community does is it's um, it, it forces people to be open to work with others because you really don't know anybody. So you're, you're in the same situation as everyone else. There's a level of, uh, there's sort of a cohort of similar thinking um, amongst the founders because everyone's, you know, trying to explore and understand they're open. Um, people are more open-minded about um, using things that are different um, than my experience on the East coast. Um, I think that just has to do a little bit with the culture. Um, but as, as we all know, being different, I think in technology can be a major advantage, but you have to have a community of potential customers that are willing to give you a chance. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I would say we're offices in Soma in San Francisco, you know, why uh, our corporate lawyer once told me when we first incorporated, they said, you picked a great location, you know, within five blocks of your office, there's, 2000 startups. <laughs> so you don't really have to walk too far. So I said, Oh, okay. So I took a look around and it's true. Um, when we first got going, um, we, we served all these startups and these startups, they all make decisions really quickly. Um, they're willing to try something different and they don't have anything in place. So yeah. as far as, um, if I were to describe it as a Petri dish, um, it's a great place to start a company because you can really vet out your products. And, and by the way, if your products aren't good here, the community will tell you right away they'll stop using your product so and they're all technology companies too so you almost have to build a product baseline that meets the expectations of these startups who they themselves are disrupting their own incumbents in their own industry so there's no way to cheat the system you really have to focus on building a great product and i think when i look at this community here it's very hard to create that kind of community in um i haven't seen that like that kind of concentration um, certainly in DC, it was much har- harder to find that. Um, yeah. uh, but here, um, we're all in, compacted in one place with very similar mindsets and expectations. So, when you have a community uh, and a sort of early customer base like that, um, I think it could be very powerful. It, it suggests that if you can make it out of this community, um, I, I call it um, like Little Italy in Boston uh, or in New York. Um, if you're in a Italian restaurant, you better serve your food as some quality otherwise the neighborhood will throw you the door um i think you have that here um in san francisco if you can't make it out of this community you you will have a hard time scaling it outside of san francisco or uh, the bay area so that makes this place rather unique and i've learned a lot um you know even though we've only been doing this business for less than three years but um being able to build a business here i think keeps us on our toes and 
forces us to continue to innovate to be successful to take care of our customers okay so just a quick one then from me before, before david wraps up for us i mean just as a as a kind of a fairly cheeky follow-up to that if you weren't building a business like travel bank in silicon valley would you live there anyway would, uh, I guess the question was if perhaps if I were pursuing another startup or just in general. No, just if for, you, is it a place that you would like to live anyway, if you were, even if you weren't involved in running a startup? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Um, I, I, my family's here with me now. Um, we have, um, you know, we're very fortunate. We actually, since moving here, we've had the twins. And um, so... Uh, I, it, it was an adjustment for me. Um, I'll have to be honest about that, but there were um, so many amazing things about uh, San Francisco. Um, the weather, I think the people are very different, but very open. And um, because it's so many different cultures coming together, yeah. um, you may have some of the best restaurants as a result of that in the area outside of just technology. <laughs> um, I think it's a really great place to live. Um, now it's a very expensive place to live. So as yeah. I asked you, if I was doing another startup, um, to live here and not work, I think would be challenging. But um, if there was something that we were pursuing, you know, passionately and it happened, um, we had a choice of where we live, uh, would it be San Francisco? I would say um, it would be a strong consideration for us to stay and uh, to be a part of this community. So I would say yes. Um, um, okay, great. Thanks, cool. Well, thanks, Duke. That was really insightful dive into a very complex part of the travel industry. And we're out of time today. So this has been How I Got Here, Stories of Innovation in Travel and Transportation with Kevin May of Focuswire and myself, Dave Litwack, the founder of Mozio. Next week, we'll be putting out another interview. Uh, stay tuned. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to How I Got Here podcast. We'll be back next week with more inside stories behind startups and innovation in travel and transportation. Check mozio.com slash move for a complete write-up of the highlights of every podcast with translations into five languages and get your daily dose of news on the digital travel economy by subscribing to the newsletter at focuswire.com. See you next week.